Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the kennel, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. Well, this is the first time at Save the Cowboy that that this is that we've had Christmas on a Sunday. And I looked it up, and uh, it won't happen again for another 11 years. 11 years. So the next time we meet here at, at Save the Cowboy will be uh, 22 years that Save the Cowboy will have been there at that time. And we'll be here, unless Jesus comes back. Unless Jesus comes back. If this is your first time at Save the Cowboy, welcome. It is a little bit different than it normally is, but just with the music. Just with the music. So um, we are in the finale of a 10-part series called Pedigree of a King. And 10 weeks ago, we started by looking at the life. In Matthew chapter 1 is a pedigree, okay? Jesus' papers that prove who he is descended from Abraham. And we talked about Abraham. We talked about Isaac. We talked about Joseph. And then we skipped some generations and went to a man named Boaz and his wife Ruth, who were the grandparent great-grandparents of another guy that we talked about named David and then we talked about Solomon and today today is the finale when we get to talk about pedigree of a king we get to talk about Jesus today so uh, many many years ago but long long time before I was a preacher I was in Van Horn Texas and if you've never been to Van Horn, Texas, uh, you're not you're not missing a whole lot, but it's it's near and dear to my heart. It's a little old desert town out in the middle of West Texas near El Paso. But one of the places, one of my main places to eat, was a was a place called Chewy's Restaurant. And Chewy's Restaurant was famous because John Madden would always stop in there and eat. Because John Madden didn't fly. He rode a tour bus to all of his football games, blah, blah, blah. When you walked into Chewy's restaurant, there was a big screen TV in the big room. There was a table right in front of it. And on the chair, it said Madden. And you did not sit in that chair because it was reserved for him anytime he showed up. Well, it was one of my favorite places to eat. And I never saw John Madden in there. But one day I went in there for lunch. And whenever I went in there for lunch, the first thing I noticed is there was three people in the restaurant. Now, it was kind of early, right? It was around 11. There was three people in that restaurant. There was me. There was a ranch hand. And there was somebody sitting in John Madden's chair, and it wasn't John Madden. And I thought, man, if Chewy comes out here and sees that dude sitting right there, he's going to get in trouble. And it don't matter that there's nobody else in here, right? Well, about that time, my cell phone rang. And it was kind of loud. I had the ringer turned up. And you know how it is in a quiet space. Like, ring, right? And the guy sitting in John Madden's chair, because I was facing the TV, he's facing the TV. The guy sitting in John Madden's chair in a cowboy hat turns around and looks at me, and I went, oh, my gosh. Because literally from me to the front row where my wife is sitting sat Tommy Lee Jones. Now, what I didn't tell you is Tom, I knew Tommy Lee Jones had a ranch at Van Horn, 
Okay? And I had also heard that when he's at his ranch, he doesn't like to be bothered. Right? So he turned around and looked at me, and I'm like, Oh, my gosh, Captain Cole is sitting right there. Oh, my gosh. Well, I looked down at my phone, and it's my father calling. Right? So I answered it, and I was like, Hey, Dad, hang on just a second. So I walk outside, right? He goes, What are you doing? I said, You're not going to believe this. He said, What? And I said, Tommy Lee Jones is sitting six feet away at the next table from me. He said, go over there and tell him you used to ride his horses. Well, I did use his horses because I worked for the San Pedro Ranch, and my ranch owner, years back when I worked on that ranch, the ranch owner was on the same polo team as Tommy Lee Jones. And the guy that I helped work on the ranch with was the head polo trainer, and we had Tommy Lee Jones polo horses at our ranch and i used to ride them all the time and he's dad said hey go over there telling you used to ride his horses i said dad the ranch hand sitting with him probably rides his horses too he don't care and i ain't gonna bother him because i've heard and he's a big man he's a big man right so i go and i have my you know i'm sitting there eating and it's kind of cool and everything and he knows i recognized him probably because my mouth was hanging open this wide you know because i'd never seen nobody famous really other than Ty, and you know, I mean, the new kind of wore off that. Kind of like y'all with me, right? And uh, so anyway, I go back in there and I sit down and I eat and everything. Well, they're nearly done eating by the time I get my food. So they get up to leave and he walks by and he's just in the, I mean, he, he's just a rancher down there, right? It looks just like it. And he walks by. And he knocks on my table. He says, you have a good day, cowboy. And I said, you too, Mr. Jones. And he walked. God taught me about that encounter. Is that I knew Tommy Lee Jones. I knew what he looked like. I knew what he sounded like. I've seen most of the movies he's in. I mean, I've basically had lunch in the same building with him. I knew him. Because, see, I don't really know Tommy Lee Jones. I'm a fan of Tommy Lee Jones. Friends know each other. If there's a relationship, you know each other. And I'm afraid that because we live in the world that we live in, that most people, might I say, don't know Jesus. They're just fans of him. They know a lot about him, but they don't know who he is or what's his purpose. They don't know really what drives him. So today, we are going to talk about who Jesus is. And we're going to have fun doing it. We're going to have fun doing it. Do we really know why we call this man Lord? Here we go. The first thing that Jesus was, was a son. He was a son. And I think a lot of times when, we, when we, uh, we lose the fact that he was several people's son, okay? Because that gets lost on us sometimes because, you know, we're, we're, we're so used to the, the white American Jesus posing in weird poses and stuff like that that we forget he was a son, okay? He's, he was a son. He was the son, though, of God. He was the son of God. If you don't really know the story, one of the prophecies about the coming Messiah, the Savior, is that he would be born to a 
He, it was the immaculate conception. He was born by woman, but he was sired by God. It was the Holy Spirit that breathed life into Mary's womb. Not a man. He was the Son of God. And he grew up. And God called him his son at Jesus' baptism. And we've got a baptism today. At Jesus' baptism, whenever he was lifted out of the water, the Spirit of God came in the form of a dove and said, This is my son in whom... I am well pleased. If you have a step adopted of some sort, will you raise your hand, please? Quite a few of you. Quite a few of you. You got kids. You know what you would do for your kids. That's how much God loved Jesus, his son. But it wasn't just God's son. Did you know that Jesus referred to himself as the son of man the son of man now that that's really he's not a son of man he's a son of god but where that comes from this specific source of the term is from daniel chapter 7 verses 13 and 14 with its vision of one like the son of man who comes with the clouds into the presence of the ancient of days who gives him the universal and eternal kingdom of God. Jesus repeatedly quoted parts of this text in teaching about his second coming. So he was the son of God, but he was also the son of man. He was prophesied to be here like he was a human that was able to stand in the presence of God, like a son of man. And so that's what Jesus referred to him as. But you know, so want to know who he was? He was the son of Joseph. He was the son of Joseph. In Matthew chapter 1, we see the pedigree of Jesus. And Joseph is a descendant of David. And it is through Joseph, even though he wasn't his biological, in ancient times, in ancient times, when somebody adopted somebody else, you could give your own kids up with no penalty. But once you adopted a child, they were yours forever. You could, like, you were more secure being adopted than you were being a biological child, okay? And of Joseph, Joseph adopted him. He was a carpenter's son. And in, you know, when we read about, Caleb read the, the Christmas story, right? Jesus is the newborn baby Jesus, you know, the whole uh, uh, Talladega Nights theology, you know, dear, dear three-pound, nine-ounce baby Jesus, you know, we, we've all got that part down. Well, the Bible starts telling the story of Jesus as he grows up and everything. And, and from the time he, at 12, is kind of when the Jews become a, a man. At, at 12, though, Joseph lost Jesus. Have y'all ever lost a child? So my grandmother had six kids. And the youngest was the smartest and the quietest, and we lived, they lived 30 miles outside of Fort Stockton on a ranch. All the kids home one day and realized she'd forgot Robert at school. He was the youngest. He was like in first grade or second grade. And so, yeah, it's easy to lose. Well, Joseph and Mary lost Jesus. And you think you had a rough day? You have never lost the Son of God. Okay? Now, sometimes you wonder, how do you lose Jesus? 
right? Well, what happened was he was about 12. They had gone to the Passover and, and stuff like that as a celebration. Um, on the way back to Nazareth, because Jesus was 12, he could walk with the men. The men walked in the front of the line, you know, these big caravans. The men walked in the front and the back and the women and kids stayed in the middle. Well, whenever they were going back to Nazareth after Jerusalem, Joseph, Jesus wasn't with Joseph. He thought he was in the middle with Mary. But now that he's, Jesus is 12, Jesus could have walked with the men. So Mary thought it was Joseph and they get home and go, where's Where's Jesus? Wasn't he with you? No, I thought he was with you. They don't have Jesus, right? So they go back to Jerusalem and they find him and he's in the temple. He's in the temple. But from 12 to 30, we really don't. But we do, okay? We do. He was a carpenter's son. He was a worker. I love the fact that, G that the Bible tells us that Jesus was just a plain man, nothing angelic about him. He didn't look any different than anybody else. He didn't really talk any different than anybody else as far as, you know, what words or anything. He was just a guy. He was a carpenter. And that's why it was so hard for people to believe in him because they would say, but wait, isn't that Joseph's son, the carpenter? He was the son of God. He was the son of man. He was the son of Joseph. And he was also of Mary. She held him whenever he horse blanket and put him in the feed trough, keep him warm. She was there the moment he took his first breath. She was also at the foot of the cross when he took his last. Never forget that son. No different than all of the boys sitting around here. Mary felt no different than all of the little girls around here to watch your firstborn to be beaten beyond recognition that if she didn't know that it was her son that was nailed up on the cross, she wouldn't have recognized him at the end. He was a son, but that's not all he was. He was a son of God. He was a son of man. He was a son of Joseph. He was a But in addition to being a son... He was also a sacrifice, and that's where things get get good. He was a sacrifice. He was, you know, somebody told me one time, I can't believe that Jesus was perfect. And I said, why is it so hard to believe that he was perfect? He said, you can't tell me that when he didn't fall down, that and it means without sin. I bet he did fall down, right? I bet they laughed when he tried to do the cannonball into the Sea of Galilee. Right? Think that happened? Everybody's tired. Everybody wants some eggnog or something. It's Christmas. Got to get lively, right? He was perfect. That means he was without sin. Doesn't mean that he didn't trip and fall or that he dropped a pass from his brothers or he didn't, you know, towel pop somebody just for the fun of it. I think he was a great guy, to be honest with you. But he was perfect, and he had to be. Why? The hardest part about preaching is what to leave out. It's not what to say. There's a ton of stuff to say. What's well, hard to leave out. But he had to be perfect because God is perfect, right? It would have been against his nature to sin. He couldn't, right? But here's the thing. 
It's perfect because the wages of sin is death, and we all deserve to die. Jesus did not, yet he took our spot and had God's punishment poured out on him so that we might... What he did is he traded his perfection for our sin, and he was sacrificed for it. God's wrath was poured out on him. Every mistake that you've ever made and every mistake that you will, every sin, not mistake, every sin you will ever make, Jesus bore that on the cross because he traded his perfection for our sin. He who knew no sin became sin for us that we might become the righteousness of God. He was perfect. Now, here's where it starts getting a little bit of people's understanding, okay? Jesus died so that you don't have to. One of the most powerful verses in the Bible says, O death, where is thy sting? Because when Jesus, he gives his life to you. He died so that we wouldn't have to. We are commanded to die to self. That's what Christians do. We put our faith and our trust in God. We die to self. We try to become Christ-like, even though we'll never reach it. It's just the trail that we follow, the code that we abide by. But listen, you don't... And we are dying to selves right now. If you are a true worshiper of God... You deny your, your pride and your ego and you trade your bitterness for forgiveness. And that's what's called dying to self. He died so that we wouldn't have to. We are here. But did you know that you will, your body will die, but you will not experience You will not experience death. Death will, for the Christian, death will be no more different than falling asleep. If you're not scared of falling asleep, you should not be afraid of passing from this world into the next. He died so that we wouldn't have to. Now, yes, your body's going to die, but you that Christian deaths, that, that these Christians died with a smile on their face. Well, the reason is Jesus comes and gets them before their body dies. That's the whole point of him dying for you. And if you don't believe that, then why did Jesus say, I will come and get you? I will come and get you. Jesus is going to come get you if you believe in him and you give your life to him. He died for us so that we don't have to. He took God's punishment for our sins so that we don't have to. And what do you call it when somebody does something very hard so that you don't have to? It's called being a savior. It's part of the sacrifice. He did save us. He saved us from death. He saved us from what we deserved. He gave us grace. He was a... He was a sacrifice he was the perfect sacrificial lamb he didn't even say anything he didn't he didn't whine he didn't gripe like a lamb led to the slaughter he went to the cross we've talked about him being a son talked about him being a sacrifice we talked about him being the lamb the perfect sacrifice that covers all sins 
But that lamb that was sacrificed, you cannot do the pedigree without talking about how Jesus was the king. The king of kings, the Lord of lords, the lamb that was led to slaughter will one day come back as the lion of Judah and make everything right. Jesus was a king. Even when he was crucified, wrote, King of the Jews. King of the Jews. It was a mockery that Rome was more powerful than even God himself. They killed God. What they didn't realize is that was all part of the plan. But that lamb that was sacrificed... One day he's going to come back. And it, the Bible says that every knee shall bow and every head will tilt. And back at the second coming. Will you? You're going to go to heaven and wait while this world is reborn in tribulation. We have a marriage feast and an award ceremony in heaven then Jesus is going to come back out, the Antichrist and everybody else. And he's coming back to this earth. His first step is going to be on the Mount of Olives, east of Jerusalem. And those who believe in him are coming back to this earth in bodily form, in our resurrected bodies, to live with Jesus for a thousand years before the real eternity starts. Have you been worried about your future? Where are you going? Because death doesn't mean extinction. Death is a transition from the material to the immaterial. But the resurrection is the, it is the going from the immaterial soul to the physical, back to the physical body. The Lord of Lord. The king is the lion. Why does he have to come back? Why does he have to come back in bodily form and why are you coming back with him? Oh, and by the way, for those people that say that there are no animals in heaven, where does it come from? Right? It's a gray horse. Probably a play gun or something like that, right, Ty? Probably. Gray horse. And it's an Andalusian. I'll take an Andalusian. I'll take an Andalusian. But why does he have to come back? To show everybody that he really is the king. He really is the king. Because see, he came to be the king of his people. He came to free us. And we refused him. We mocked him. We killed him. But he's coming back. The Lion of Judah is going to come back for Jesus for a thousand years from a throne in Jerusalem. And David will be his regent. And those who are faithful will rule with him. Will that be you? The choice is yours. He's going to come back for his throne. He's going to come back. Make no mistake about it. Eric is not centrific to the gospel. Israel is, okay? Israel is his nation. But we are adopted. He's going to come back for his throne. He's going to come back for his nation. And he's going to come back for his bride. He's going to come back for us. To show everybody just how powerful he is. Where once like, look, man, I gave you a chance. Now 
It's by force to show you that I have all authority in heaven and on earth. And as we close, next Sunday is January 1st. I love that because it really is. Jesus is the reason for the season as we celebrate his birth today. Did it happen today? No. No, okay? <laughs> we know that, all right? This is the day we celebrate, all right? This is the day we celebrate his birth, starting next Sunday. If you are interested in where you are going, what you will be doing after you die, we will start a four-part series during our corporate service on uh, titled, To Be Continued. The story of eternity, that's at this time at 9.30. But on January 7th Sunday, we will start about a 10-part in-depth Bible study, and we're going to really, really, really dive in to Revelations, Daniel, Ezekiel, Elijah, everything you ever wanted to know about what happens when your heart stops. And your real life begins. I thank y'all so much for coming out today and making Jesus your reason. Let's go to God. Father, we thank you for your message today. And I thank you for the faithfulness showed. There's a thousand other things that they could be doing right now. But God, they have chosen well. They have chosen well this morning. And the Holy Spirit right now speaks into the hearts and minds of those that are unsure. Help them to make that decision right now. And it's between you and them. It's not between me and them. It's between you and them. God, tie unto them hard and fast. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen.